So, Eric, it's no secret that I'm in the monsters. Indeed. Um, that's part of, part of the reason we're here today <laughs> is because we like to have those conversations anyway. And when the monsters could maybe be real, those stories are even better. And there are so many legends about what I'm going to call monstrous reptiles. Fitting. Giant snakes, giant lizards, giant turtles. I think, uh, and, and really, there are some real life examples of these alive right now that you can see. Proof. Not counting the ones that there are stories and legends about. I mean, all the way back to the time when mankind coexisted with creatures that no longer exist. I think tonight we want to talk about these monstrous reptiles that might still be roaming around. And, and to talk about some of the monstrous reptiles that we know are out there. Sounds great. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Now we're going to cover all reptiles in tonight's podcast, but I personally have chosen to focus on snakes in particular, and I believe Bill is branching out a bit. But what is the biggest snake in the world, you might ask? Well, first off, there's more than 3,000 different species to choose from, but the list is actually quite small when it comes to the big ones. I've compiled a real quick, and I'm just going to go through this, the, the 10 largest breeds of documented snakes. Now, again, these are all documented. Uh, these are like 2000 and forward to, you know, 2022, where we're at today. So in the last 22 years, uh, the first is the King Brown snake. It can grow a mere 11 feet in size and it uh, only weighs about 13 pounds. Eric, we're talking about monsters. Yeah. 11 foot <laughs> is like, I'm not real sure. Now, if I now, that being said, if I got up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom <laughs> and an 11-foot snake was coiled around the toilet. All right, so it's subjective. It might be monstrous An 11-foot snake is still a big snake. <laughs> Number nine, the king cobra. Now, it can grow to 13-foot in length and weigh about 20 pounds. Not only one of the largest snakes in the world, but uh, claims the title of the longest venomous snake on Earth. Number eight, one more familiar, the boa constrictor. Uh, now, the... The boa can get about uh, 13 feet in length as well, but it's ranked a little higher on the list because it's heavier at about 60 pounds. They measure two feet in size as newborns, so it's no surprise they're one of the largest snakes in the world. Number seven, the black mamba. Now, those can grow to be about 14 foot, very venomous, lives in the savannas in the eastern parts of Africa. There's actually a movie from my childhood. I don't remember the name of it, but it was about a black mamba, but it was not that big. The whole idea was, you know, I guess you have snakes on a plane. This would have been snakes in an apartment. <laughs> but for some reason... Samuel L. Jackson wasn't in this one. Yeah, I mean, I guess the plot of it was these burglars had broke in and they were going to hold the mom and kid for ransom. But, like, the dad collected venomous snakes and he got a black mamba. Ooh, nice twist. They accidentally let it out. and 
it was going around killing everybody one by one. Didn't know what they were breaking into. Yeah, but but in that show, that was yeah, it wasn't that big. So I always thought they were smaller. Hmm. Number six, the African rock python. Now they can grow up to sixteen foot in length. These bohemus can weigh up to two hundred and fifty pounds. They live in the grasslands and savannas of Africa. Uh, they are known to uh, wrap around their prey and use its muscles to suffocate them. Uh, able to eat antelope, crocodiles, and warthogs. Now, I, my research, I was only looking at the biggest of the real-life snakes. The big, big ones. But rock, rock python did come up as one that was, you know, there are stories of, of specimens far larger. Oh, yes. Oh, all of the these, their they're stories are much larger. I believe one of the first cryptid pictures I found on the internet that I and again, you could say force perspective, photo manipulation, whatever, but it's taken from a helicopter of a... Of I talk about this. I, I've okay, got this okay. story later on. I know exactly what you're talking about. The Indian python. Uh, now, they can grow up to 20 foot and sometimes longer. They weigh in about 150 pounds. Uh, then we have the number four, the Burmese python. Has an average length of 20 to 23 feet and can get up to 200 pounds. This reptile lives in the marshes of Asia and China. Uh, its body or its girth thickness is uh, equal to a telephone pole. Like other pythons on the list, the Burmese python wraps around its strong body and its prey to suffocate it. So we have that big guy. Now we're getting into number three, the amistine, I believe is the way you pronounce it. Never heard of that. Python. Uh, can grow up to 27 feet and weigh about 33 pounds, uh, very small weight-wise. Females are usually larger than the males. Uh, lives in Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, and Australia. Number two, the reticulated python. Now, they can grow up to 29 feet. We're gradually getting larger and larger, Bill, so that 11-foot snake's kind of <laughs> left in the dust now. They can weigh up to 595 pounds. It's called a reticulated python because of the mixture of patterns of brown, yellow, and black scales. So it's not because it's reticulous? It's not reticulous. <laughs> I'd be a reticulous snake. And that was the dumbest joke. That was a I'm dad sorry. joke, dad joke. Number one, the green anaconda is the biggest snake in the world. It can grow to a length of 30 feet and can weigh upwards of 550 pounds. If you stretched out a green anaconda in its full length, it would be about as long as the average school bus, to put it in perspective. Normally, female green anacondas are larger than the males. The snake that claims the title of the biggest in the world lives in the Amazon rainforest and swamps of Brazil. Uh, they are carnivores, capturing their prey of wild pigs and deer by wrapping their tremendous bodies around them and squeezing until the prey is dead. So I just thought I'd kind of set that... Uh, that pace so we jump from 11 foot uh, to 30 feet in the top 10 breeds of snakes well when i did the the snake part i started with the green anaconda mm -hmm. um go right like to the big said, one thir 30 feet 500 plus pounds uh now explorers and natives of the amazon will tell you that there are larger specimens out there um stories exist with with snakes from 50 to 150 feet long that's a big snake and up to five tons in weight one story by acclaimed British explorer Percy Fawcett claimed that he killed an anaconda that measured 62 feet in the Amazon. And this is his quote here. We were drifting easily along on the sluggish current, not far below the confluence of Tigor and the Rio Negro, when almost under the bow there appeared a triangular head and several feet of undulating body. 
It was a giant anaconda. I sprang for my rifle as the creature began to make its way up to the bank, and hardly waiting to aim, smashed a forty-four soft-nosed bullet into its spine, ten feet below the wicked head. At once there was a flurry of foam and several heavy thumps against the boat's keel, shaking us as though we had run on a snag. Mm. And mind you, at thirty-two feet, I think we talked about the body size and compared it to a telephone pole. That thing's going to be big. Yeah, that could capsize a boat easily. And, and, you know, even a regular green anaconda has the ability to eat a human being. It has happened. It's documented. Yes. So those are monsters. Now, you talk about species of snake 50 feet plus long, five tons. Historically speaking, we have fossil evidence of a creature known as the Titanoboa, a monstrous prehistoric snake that we estimate could reach 42 feet and weigh more than a ton. Uh, you know, you're talking 50 feet or so on the, the you know, yeah. the, the stories from the Amazon. Now, they are believed to have lived 58 to 60 million years ago and considered extinct now. But some believe it could what be. are they? Yeah, some believe it could be the origin of this story of larger anacondas in the Amazon. And we've talked about the Amazon and Congo and whatnot and how these are supposed, you know, in cryptozoological circles, these these are bastions for creatures that maybe should have gone extinct. We've talked about Michele, Mbembe, and the Kasai Rex. And the rainforest like comes up a lot. And, I mean, let's face it, thousands and thousands of acres really unexplored. If yeah. it's going to hide somewhere, that, that why not be there? Yeah, you're talking, you know, chunks of the world that men haven't been to bigger than, you know, some countries. The locals absolutely believe in a snake they say measures over 40 feet long that they locally refer to as the Yakumana, which would translate into Mother of the Waters in, in English. I like that name. So that that is a, a, I mean, 42 feet when you think, you know, anacondas, you know, about 30. I mean, that's a snake. What What is it not going to be able to eat you, when you wrap those coils around something? And you think about the amount of that that thing would eat the the amount of pound of flesh that that thing would eat to to be able to survive again the rainforest monkeys and and all <laughs> kinds of stuff i mean all kinds of prey for it to live on yeah yeah i've got a couple stories i'll kind of interject in between uh some of bills here uh, one is uh altamira caves in brazil now again uh, i tried to kind of stay a little bit more present day so all of these stories are about 2005 and forward. Uh, workers here were doing a controlled blast site within a cave uh, there in the Altamira Caves of Brazil. And after the blast, they found a 33-foot yellow anaconda snake. And it was dishuffled, but still alive and well. It was 16 inches in diameter. Now, that's almost a foot and a half uh, as it lay in the debris field. While the yellow anaconda is not poisonous, it is a constrictor and often coils around its prey and squeezes it to suffocate it before devouring it. A snake of this size could have easily dislocated its jaws and swallowed a, a human whole. So these workers definitely put their lives in, in danger to try to remove the snake. It was a risky move, but it worked out well for the workers and they did save the snake. Some people may think it is weird, but it, in almost all the stories I'm going to share the snake was saved. It wasn't, you know, like in your instance where the triangle head popped up in the boat and I made no bones about it and I shot it, you know, in the spine. Well, in the old days, we weren't too worried about saving rare and unusual species. <laughs> you shot it and put it on display, right? Right, right. I mount that thing. <laughs> now, another example is um, Ping Ang Island. And this is over in Malaysia. Uh, this Ping Ang Island, uh, they found a 26-foot Indian python. 
It also was found in a construction site where about uh, 10 to 12 workers were able to overpower it and freed it. It was originally spotted, get this, in a helicopter flyby, a popular tourist area of the island. This thing was so large, it was spotted from the air. It took over 30 minutes to trap the snake where it was fed and watered and taken care of. It was found to be pregnant and three days later gave birth, but unfortunately died during birth. There was a large investigation into the snake's strange death. Uh, It was found on videotape footage. One of the workers had been kicking the snake over and over, and the scientists assumed that it was this trauma, you know, being traumatized and injured uh, during its condition that most likely led to its demise. Ironically, the group of construction workers were interviewed, and they went on record to state that they often found giant snakes of 20 or 30 foot in length in their line of work, which was digging, mining, and doing construction. Now, I supervise production in a manufacturing facility, but I've got to tell you, if I routinely encounter 20 to 30 foot snakes in that job, I need another job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I will say, Snakes, for whatever reason, is one of my creatures I do not like. I can appreciate a garter snake, even a, even a black snake, although I grew up on a farm and I have just horrifying nightmarish tales where black snakes would drop down out of the rafters as I was gathering chicken <laughs> eggs and I'd reach in and pet one in the dark. Now, I can appreciate snakes. I, I'm not, you know, not going to go out and just grab any random snake since we're telling snake stories. Uh, before we move on to other creatures, a couple of things. Number one, if you look on the internet and you're morbidly curious or you're (laughs) like me and you just happen to stumble upon them, there are pictures out there of people who have been killed by being consumed by snakes and then they kill the snake and they open it up. Slice them open and the body falls out. It's really, again, that's one of those things that I've found on accident on the internet. Not not something you you want to find. Can you imagine? I mean, just for an instant what that poor individual i read a book not that long ago called little heaven story unrelated it's not really about giant snakes but there is a scene in that book where a young man is killed by a python and the author does his best to describe it and i will tell you reading it even i think he got pretty close talking about the suffocation like drawing in a breath and then is this my last breath and you know and oh and then it, this is all witnessed by the, the character's sister who then watches her brother be consumed by said snake. And I imagine Which is that horrific would be enough. horrific. Yeah. yeah. The other is we went hiking. Uh, not a giant snake, but still a snake story. So I'll tell it here. <laughs> uh, me and my boys went hiking. They were a little bit younger. And uh, this would have been late summer. And here in Missouri, we do have a couple of variety of snake that you don't want to run into. Mm-hmm. And one being the copperhead. So just for a moment of like my my good deed or my PSA or whatever you want to say, when you're out hiking, they're very, very difficult to see. They blend in perfectly with the leaves. Yeah, and we've stuff. run into them a couple of times. But we were hiking, and I'm talking to my boys, and I have that instinct to watch the path ahead of me. And one of my sons was just a few steps ahead of me, my younger son, and he's talking. We're carrying on a conversation when I see this big, fat, Copperhead. Yeah, they're normally like shorter, but but yeah, big girth, big diameter. Yeah, and it's right there on the trail, right in the dappled leaves, you know, and, and he didn't see it at all. And I just reached out and just shoved him, you know, off to the side of the trail. And I'm sure he's like, Dad, what the heck? So, yeah, there's no way for him to know what I'm doing. And he's like getting mad at me. And then I point out this, you know, big fat copperhead sitting there on the trail. And he's 
he gets it and you know I, the whole time i've been telling him hey watch where you put your feet and this that and the other and then you know he, he got he almost stepped on it well there's stories that go around and they're not giants by any means but people digging uh, for fishing worms night crawlers and they'll get into a nest of copperheads and you know especially small children can't identify them and they say the the venom of a small copperhead is is even worse than an adult copperhead and people have, i mean people have died i mean I, yeah i was gonna say i guess the good thing is venom wise they're not the worst most adults will survive the encounter mm-hmm. you know, as long as you single bite I, I think even without hospitalization it'll make you sick but i think most people come through but yeah like i'd always heard that the younger the smaller ones were more venomous and that you know little kids especially you know i do have one giant snake story i will share personal this is when i uh, worked at an engineering firm here in town and i want to say it was probably october early october our son alex was still a, an infant and i had to get up and be to work like at 6 a.m and we had a uh, wood burning furnace downstairs in the basement so you know being good father and and husband i'd went I went down before I went to work and filled it all up full of firewood to keep the house warm. And again, mind you, it wasn't winter, but it was definitely fall. It was cool. It was October. And I'm down there putting some wood in the furnace. And lo and behold, I I didn't know what hit me. But something dropped down on top of me. I am glad there was not a video camera down there <laughs> because it would have looked like I was possessed. I probably scream, screamed like a little girl, uh, but a, and I am not exaggerating, at least a six foot black snake had been coiled up in the rafters. I'm assuming there by the heat of the stove and decided to pay me a friendly visit. I had my cup of coffee and everything getting ready to go to work. I spilt all that. And uh, oh my gosh, uh, it, it got the old ticker running, uh, but it probably had lived underneath the house or whatever. And, of course, they're not venomous. They're actually very good. They're, they're great for rodents, mice, and, and rats and stuff. But well, yeah. I did not kill it. I allowed it to live. However, it was questionable if it was going to kill me from a heart attack. You're absolutely not the first person to tell me a story like that. I've heard of people stepping out the front door and, you know, opening the screen door and, you know, there's this giant snake. Ugh. And yeah, everybody says the same thing. You don't want to kill it because it's good to control the mice and the rodents and all that. But just the idea that, you know, going about your daily business. Good morning. And all of a sudden you're wearing this giant snake as a scarf. Uh, And, and, you know, uh, the old, you know, is more afraid of you than you are of it. I'm sure that's the case. You know, you're not its usual prey. It doesn't want you. I'm sure it did not expect a dancing friend that early in the morning, but I, I definitely took it on a dance. Well, we talked a lot about snakes, but, uh, this episode is called reptiles. So. Uh, the Komodo dragon. Oh, I love Komodo. The largest known living lizard on the planet. Uh, you know, you would think something like that, you would notice. The Komodo dragon was not discovered until 1912. And apparently they live on these isolated islands. I think one of them is actually called Komodo Island. Yep, that's where it derives. But there's name. a series of islands where the Komodo dragon lives. And obviously the dragon part of the name, you know, it's a, it's Very a huge lizard. Uh, they can grow up to they can grow up to ten feet. They can weigh up about to uh, 150 pounds. Now, Eric, I'm sure, like most people, you've heard that the bite of the Komodo dragon is filled with bacteria, and it's it not venom. It's just nasty. Poisons. It's 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 it creates a severe infection in its victims. Yes. That that's not true. Not true. Tests of Komodo dragon mouth and bites have revealed that their bite has no more bacteria, is no more toxic in that respect than any other bite. However, 
recent evidence, recent research has suggested, and, and in some other monitors has even proven, so they, they expect it to be the same in the Komodo, but you're not going to kill a Komodo to find out because they're an endangered species. But other large, um, what they call monitor lizards, do have venom. They have a poisonous bite. Hmm. And so symptoms include rapid swelling, localized disruption of blood clotting, and severe shooting pains that can last, and all these symptoms can last for several hours. So you can see where if you got bitten by one, maybe you wouldn't necessarily die of infection, but if your blood doesn't clot, you could bleed out, which does seem to be the Komodo dragon's, um, MO, if you will. It attacks from ambush. It usually charges in, takes one big bite, and then backs off. These things move fast, too. Oh, they're very, very quick. Surprisingly fast for a creature their size. Well, it's like a crocodile or an alligator. They say they can move as fast as a horse in a short sprint. So, if you can outrun them for the long distance, you're okay. Yeah, if you can, if you can haul, if you can haul butt, if you will, for <laughs> long enough. Censored version there. But you're probably not going to be able to outrun them in that short distance. So you got to stay ahead of. Them. But yeah, so they are they dangerous? Absolutely. Now they do commonly attack humans, though most attacks are not fatal. You know, again, they, they usually charge up and bite. Most people have time to get medical treatment before something serious happens. Now, I've got a couple anecdotes. 1974, a Swiss tourist takes a break while traveling with his group of companions, sits down. He's never found again. All evidence suggests that he's been killed and eaten by Komodo dragons. They do find a piece of, of leather from his camera case, which has... This is kind of reminiscent of, like, Jurassic Park, yeah. the, the rich family on the coast, and the little girl kind of wanders down yeah. the coast. But uh, the little piece of his camera case does have Komodo dragon saliva on it, mm. so they believe he was eaten. Uh, March of 2009, Indonesian fisherman goes on to one of those islands, and he's going after what they call sugar apples. So he climbs up in this tree to get some of these apples, and as he, I guess he falls from the tree. And as that happens, you know, as, as he falls from the tree, apparently that draws the attention of the local dragon population and easy prey they they kill and eat him now you know it's a 150 pound lizard they can eat up to 80 percent of their body weight in one sitting so that's 120 gives or so you know so i mean they could almost eat an entire person in one go now and I'm, i don't know this is a serious question do they are they loners or do they have like groups do you know? I, I I did not have that. I didn't I didn't read whether they attack. Because I don't think they attack in groups. To I, be I think when I saw like on National Geographic and some of those, it, you hardly you hardly ever just see one. It's like you know, there's whatever you might call it a, a clan, a group, a tribe, <laughs> a whatever, you know, kind of in the background. But yeah, it's it's kind of like gorillas where there's like one dominant that might you know try to attack anybody that's coming in in their area. So the Komodo dragon, we know, it's around. It's alive. It's a thing. Dragons do exist. But the Megalania. I haven't heard of this. This is a fossils found in Australia. Indicate that there used to be a lizard there that grew up to 20 feet in length. Estimated 1,000 pounds in weight. Wow. Now, it did live with human beings. It did live concurrently with humans at one point, And undoubtedly included them as part of its diet. I know the, if I remember correctly, the aboriginal uh, stories do speak of... Uh, what they call the devil dragon, I think is what they call it in their tongue, that was known to eat them. And uh, Aborigines still claim that the devil dragon is out there in the outback. And Australia, I think as we've covered before, is a place where everything wants, wants to kill you. Wants to kill you, you. yeah. The trees want you dead. <laughs> so, um, Wonderful vacation site. Now, there are still sightings of alleged Megalanias in the outback. Uh, 1968, 
an Australian military unit is conducting an exercise in Queensland. Um, now, one unit uh, reports that while they were navigating through a very swampy area, they came across the remains of a cow that had been torn to pieces. Uh, large chunks that look like, you know, bite marks had clearly been taken out of the body, and they stumbled upon lizard-like footprints almost two feet in length, not too far away from the, the site of where this cow had been. That's like dinosaur aspect. Yeah, and in, in our dinosaur episode, we talked about Australia still having dinosaurs. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, July 1979, Rex Gilroy, who was a known cryptozoologist, was brought in to uh to look at a this freshly plowed field and uh to look at these footprints there were 30 or so footprints that uh, he said belonged to some species of giant lizard that had not been documented before that he was absolutely willing to say was the megalania in 1979 also uh, herpetologist frank gordon was conducting some field work in the wadagon mountains uh he walked back to his vehicle climbs in he starts the engine and he sees what he thought was a log run off and he says it was it, it was absolutely some sort of lizard-like creature. He thought it was just a log out of the, you know, as he was just walking by. But it had to have been almost 30 feet long. Wow. Uh, and, this is in 1979. Yeah. I mean, relatively present day. Yeah. And then sometime later, another incident, there's a farmer, and he's uh, kind of walking along his property when he sees what he called a giant lizard walking along the edge of one of his fields just outside the fence line. Uh, it didn't cross the fence. It stayed just off the property, but it walked along this fence. And he went by, and using the fence post as guidelines, estimated the creature to be at least 20 feet long. And in comparison, like, you know, it was by this fence post and this post, and then measured. So you're talking, yeah, Megalania is this Stuff thing of nightmares there. Supposed to be extinct, but... Well, eh, maybe not. You know, they think, you know, you, you, they think they still got them roaming around Australia. Wow. Well, I've got a few more snake stories to share with you. Uh, Florida Burmese pythons. Ah, Florida. Known for tourist attractions, Mickey Mouse, Disney World, Epcot Center, sandy beaches, but also swamps and marshes. Snake wranglers were able to capture an 18-foot Burmese python. Now, these are not native to the swamps and marshes, but uh, their sanctuary and several labs were ransacked in 1992 by a hurricane that inadvertently set them free into the wildlife. The creature was put down due to increasing birthing production of these evasive snakes in the Florida area, with nothing besides humans to hunt them as prey. This particular one, upon cutting open, uh, was found to have 72 eggs inside of its belly. So this is just one snake with 72 eggs for possible offspring. Originally, the snake breed was native to southern Asia. Typically, it's a nocturnal hunter. Uh, They normally keep to themselves until mating season, where they can get quite aggressive. In the short time loose in Florida since 1992, uh, over the past decades, uh, they have tilted the normal balance of the entire ecosystem there. They eat large birds such as flamingos, cranes, uh, even alligators, not to mention uh, the fish and the food that the other reptiles and birds uh, would rely on to survive. Hunters now have legal rights to hunt and kill any of these evasive snake creatures in attempt to regain some control over this very sensitive ecosystem that now exists. And this is a real problem in Florida. Eric, you and I have been doing this a long time. Don't get mad. Oh. You say evasive? Evasive. I think you mean invasive. Invasive, yes, invasive. 
Kansas City reticulated python, and this was in 2011. Reticulated pythons are native to South uh, and Southeast Asia normally. However, uh, it is a very proficient swimmer and has managed to colonize several of the surrounding islands in that area and continues to reach out. However, in 2011, a 25-foot reticulated python was discovered in none other than Kansas City, Missouri, not far from where we're at here in Lebanon. It was studied to be only about 10 years old, so it was eating and doing quite well for itself uh, outside of its natural habitat. With a strange turn of events, this 25-foot python was adopted by Full Moon Productions, uh, which is an entertainment company in Kansas. That's insane. She was affectionately named Medusa, which I love the name, of course. Now, uh, before we go much further, Mm -hmm. if you're not familiar, um, I'm a horror fan. Mm -hmm. Full Moon Productions, Productions. Puppet Master, and and, oh man, so many of those cheesy (laughs) straight-to-video... Oh, they were they were ridiculous, but they were so. I mean, you, still you watched all of today. them. Yep, the cult following for. So them. yeah, it, it's kind of funny, and I didn't realize they were based in Kansas City. Uh, so. Apparently, they are. Uh, affectionately, they named the snake Medusa. Uh, she is currently the largest snake in captivity. She's fed rabbits, deer, and hogs about every two weeks to sustain her growing appetite and size. Uh, and at a single setting, uh, she eats about forty pounds of meat. So just kind of put that in perspective. And I've got another one here I'll share. Papawan Python. This was in Indonesia. A 26-year-old farmer named Akbar from Indonesia was out harvesting palm oil in his family's farm. But he did not return home that night. A search party soon occurred and neighbors stayed uh, or stated that they uh, did hear some screams at about dusk but chose not to investigate. That was unfortunate. During the search, uh, which was made up of dozens of locals and police officers, a 30-foot python was found not far from where the man had been working in a small kind of creek or ravine. It just seemed to be resting there in a shallow pool of water. Officials became concerned when they had seen it had apparently swallowed something quite large, as in over 5 foot. In addition, there were pictures taken of a boot shape protruding from beneath the snake's skin. They quickly slayed the beast and cut it open, and the body of 26-year-old Akbar, who had gone missing, rolled out. Indonesia is actually quite common for large snake encounters, as well as other exotic wildlife, due to the extensive rainforest that we were talking about and the, uh, the habitat, uh, the terrain that there offers. But there is proof of a 30-foot documented python who swallowed whole uh, a 26-year-old adult. Now, before we jump into the next category here, I would like to go back to Florida and their invasive species and talk about lizards a little bit. Um, it's always been one of my favorite headlines when I stumbled upon it. You may know where I'm going with this. You may not. So an iguana, green iguana, is apparently invasive, much like the the pythons or, or boa constrictors, mm-hmm. whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, was able to escape during hurricanes and whatnot, and they apparently just breed like crazy. Yep. Now... You know, with with the crazy weather that we have, Florida's had some cold snaps lately, and I believe the headline was something like giant lizards, you know, present a danger to locals as they fall out of the sky or something like that. And I was oh, like, what yes, the heck? Oh, yes, I did see this. But apparently the iguanas, lizards. Yeah, the iguanas would get up in the tree, and then when it would get cold, iguanas slow down. They're a cold-blooded creature. It's a reptile. They slow down. And if they get cold enough, they would just kind of 
relax and, and let go of their tree perch and would fall out of the tree. And these things, you know, an iguana gets up to like three, four feet long. Yeah. They're big. Like a big log of a tree now, falling on you. Yeah, most of it's tail, but still, you know, you figure that body's probably, what, six, seven, eight inches or something like that? Around. I'm not talking long, but, you know, like. The girth, yeah. Yeah. So they're they're a pretty chunky lizard, and, and you just walk by a, a tree and have one of these fall out and hit you in the head. <laughs> um, I Surprise. always love that. I always love that headline when I saw it because it was just so ridiculous, and it's definitely you know one of those eye catching like oh I got to read this. So we've talked about snakes, we've talked about lizards. Let's talk about turtles. So like the other ones, I'm going to start with the largest known specimen, uh, the leatherback sea turtle. Just absolutely massive creature, beautiful creature. As a matter of fact, the headline I specifically found in 2020, there was an 800-pound leatherback discovered nesting on a Florida beach. That's almost half a ton of giant turtle. They're documented to grow up to just over seven feet long and weigh in at between 500 and 1,500 pounds. Their front flippers can grow to be as long as nine feet. Wow. And is the largest flipper to body size ratio of any known living turtle. Can you imagine getting smacked by a nine-foot turtle fin? <laughs> Whap. As large as that monster may be. And that's a big turtle. Now, of course, the pictures online sort of had a forced perspective thing. So you had people standing, you know, behind the turtle. It made them look huge, but right, still right. at 800 pounds, that's a big turtle. But there are legends of what is known as the father of all turtles. I loved the story that you were starting to share. Yes. It was first reported in 1494 by Christopher Columbus while he was near the Dominican Republic. Why didn't I hear about this in school? Yeah. They leave out the cool stuff. <laughs> Uh, but he described encountering a turtle that he said was the size of a whale. It had a long tail with a fin on each side, which I guess was intended to help it move through the water, and kept its head out of the water the whole time that he observed it, until eventually it seemed to get, I guess, tired of watching the boat, which I guess it was the Santa Maria specifically that it was following. It'd be like and a then, small island just kind of pop yeah. up. <laughs> and it, it just sort of dipped out under the waves. Now, the father of all turtles was seen again on March 30th, 1883, and I'm going to say the father of all turtles. I assuming, I'm assuming this is not just one turtle, but, you know, multiple turtles. But we also know that turtles have an incredible lifespan, too. Well, there are Galapagos tortoises in the zoos that are like 120, 150 years old. So who's to say? But I would assume between 1494 and 1883, this is not the same turtle. Right, right. But again, seen on March 30th, 1883, by the ship Annie L. Hall. Now, they thought they had encountered an overturned boat of some kind. They saw it up ahead in the water, and they... You know, good Samaritans, you need to go over and see if anybody needs your help. As they closed in, they realized this was no boat. This is a turtle that they estimated to be 40 feet long, 30 feet wide, uh, with flippers measuring easily 20 feet long. Oh, my gosh. And again, as they approached it, it seemed to kind of wait for them to get close. And then when they got close enough, it just dipped out under the waves. But not aggressive at all. No. Uh, the next sighting uh, documented would be in March 8th, 1955. A man was washed overboard from the destroyer Caldas and had managed to get a raft and was kind of floating. Uh, he was somewhere in the Gulf of Uraba near Colombia when he sighted a, giga a gigantic turtle. He said it was dull yellow in color and just guessing he would say it was over 14 feet long. Didn't disturb the man, just kind of he observed it and it took off. Just over a year later, in uh, 1956, June, the cargo ship Rhapsody would sight one of these creatures off the coast of Nova Scotia. The men on board estimated the turtle to be nearly 13 feet long, with a flipper length of almost 15 feet, and said it was able to hold its head and neck out of the water for almost 8 feet. Now, imagine, I mean, this creature is holding its head taller than, mo than any human being, just right. about. Yeah. 
I mean, that's that's quite a bit of... That's impressive. Yeah. And then probably one of the more interesting ones, September 13th, 1959. Two shark fishermen by the name of Tex Geddes and James Gavin saw the father of all turtles. Uh, they were fishing off the coast of Scotland when a gigantic sur- uh, turtle surfaced not too far from them. They were in a much smaller boat. These other encounters were ships, you know, except for the guy on the raft. But these guys were like in a flat bottom kind of low boat, you know. Not a safe place they're, to be. They're like sea level. So now they, they, had a, they, they couldn't see the creature from above. It was hard to guess its size. But they said it must have been 10 feet wide across the shell, which, you know, turtles are typically longer than they are wide. And that the part that was exposed above water was almost three feet high. Now, this is the only time that there's ever any mention of anything resembling aggression. As they said, this creature kind of surfaced and was heading in their direction. And it continued in their direction. And these two guys started to panic at one point in time. They're like, we're going to have to jump something because he's going to come right through us. This confused turtle may have, may have been in mating season and <laughs> thought it was another turtle. Well, he got, turtle got maybe 30 feet when it just kind of submerged and, and disappeared under the waves. And they assume went under the boat, but. Uh, but again, you, you'll note that in almost every occasion, the creature was peaceful, kind of just after he got bored or, or whatever of watching the boats and this, this strange oddity, it just kind of slowly submerged and disappeared beneath the waves. Now, most experts will say these are misidentifications of uh, leatherbacks, or even in some cases, these could just be, you know, extreme examples of leatherbacks that had gotten, you know, bigger than most people think. But, you know, some of those stories are... When you talk about a, a, a turtle the size of a whale or 40 foot long, that's not a leatherback. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. We may need to stop and look this up. But a leatherback, do, don't they have more of a flat shell, not as bowl-shaped? Well, the pictures I saw were all on land. And I know they are, I don't want to say soft shell, but they don't have the the hard, hard shell of like a box tortoise. It's more of a soft shell well, that's the name, leatherback. Their, their right, shell has right. a, leathery a leathery texture. texture. So I would assume when they're on land that maybe that shell, the weight collapses in on itself a little bit. But no, they, yeah, they're well, more like in of your a one story flattened said It was shape. sticking up like three foot, you know. So yeah. To me, that's more of a bowl-shaped traditional hard shell kind of turtle. But interesting. Well, I've got a few more snake stories. The African rock python in New Brunswick, Canada. Now, I believe this was in uh, 20... 2002, 2002, I believe it was. Now, native to areas in Africa, the rock python is a nasty snake indeed. Another one of those species that was accidentally released in the Florida Keys during the 1992 hurricane that we've addressed. Some specialist states that it's the nastiest spirited creature, and they literally come out of their eggs striking at anything in motion. They are constrictors, and while they can squeeze and constrict, often the victims are found uh, that they have died of a heart attack before the crushing of bones and stuff would occur. Well, that the constriction actually causes the heart to not have enough room to, to, to beat anymore. So, yeah, I mean, it would technically be a heart attack. The heart just stops functioning. But definitely, you know, not a good choice for a pet. I, I would at least all throw that statement out there. However, a family in New Brunswick, Canada, did just that. They chose to keep a 20-foot rock python in a very special enclosure that was custom-built. And, of course, uh, the snake managed to escape by crawling up and into and through a ceiling vent, um, air duct, basically, that was there to help control its atmosphere with the house. Uh, It made its way through that air vent and ceiling, and came down in an adjacent bedroom, unfortunately, of their two small boys, Noah, age four, and Connor, who would have been uh, seven years old. 
The next morning, both boys were found dead, and the snake was coiled up alongside them, did not swallow them, did not eat them. This is not necessarily a rare case. Uh, In 2002, a 10-year-old boy in Africa was found to be swallowed by a python, and in 1999, a three-year-old boy was strangled in Centralia, Illinois, uh, before they could get in, they actually saw that with trying to get the snake off of it, but unfortunately it was too late. Do you know what to do if you're grabbed by a constrictor? No, I don't. Alcohol. They're Offer to sens- drink? No. Oh. <laughs> there's sensory organs on their face, eyes and, and, and whatnot, and, and I guess some of them have, uh, I don't want to say like pit vipers, but they have sensory organs mm-hmm. that allow them to detect heat, are very, very sensitive to alcohol. So what I've read is that if you're grabbed by a constrictor, and if you know much about the biology of constrictors... Of course, you know, I consider them modern monsters. They have backwards curving teeth. So when they grab you, if they bite you and grab you, you can't pull them off because you're just putting those teeth deeper in. It's almost like fish hooks digging into the flesh. But they're very, very sensitive to alcohol of any kind. So whether you have rubbing alcohol or whether you have, you know, drinking alcohol, you you just start pouring alcohol on their face and eventually it will irritate them enough that they'll let go of you. Good to know. So life-saving opportunity right there. You ever, yeah, just, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you might be in good shape. Or just hang out in bars a lot. <laughs> Another story, boa constrictor at Red Lobster in North Carolina. I love this headline. As if Red Lobster was not uh, full enough of exotic meals and, and workers, these particular workers had taken a smoke break out back, and while they were there, they noticed something moving in the adjacent uh, woods connected to the parking lot, and it was a 22-foot boa constrictor. Um, he was just chilling out there in the wooded area, of the parking area or adjacent to the parking lot, and it is believed the snake could not have been freed for very long at all, uh, speculated literally days Uh, or it simply would not have survived in the environment at the climate that it was that time in North Carolina. Uh, Although, uh, the breed is a staple for snake keepers, and it is thought that it must have escaped or been, for whatever reason, set free. And we've talked about this in podcasts, you know, hey, we've got these pet piranha, let's set them free in the lake. and the octopus. Yeah, let's just, why not? You know, it's it's outgrown its aquarium. Uh, Officials came immediately and were able to easily capture the pet snake with little or no resistance. Uh, It was very tame and and just as happy to be removed from the premises those around were to have it removed. And then we move to the story we we alluded to earlier, uh, the Congo giant snake. Stories of almost mythical-sized snakes are semi-common in the tropical regions of the world, as we had talked about, the rainforest in particular. Many grainy photos and stories are passed down by tribes, aborigines, researchers who dare enter or call those areas home. Stories of snakes, as Bill has has talked upon, uh, 30, 40, even 50 foot or more in length are said to exist. And although not fully documented, have reasonable amounts of hard evidence that they do or at least could exist. For example, uh, they have recorded and and shot video footage of snake, I guess you would say trails or slides, uh, going down to rivers where people are standing in them. I mean, they're that deep. Uh, They look like ditches, but they're all smoothed out like where a snake would would be. They have found uh, some bones and and, uh, scales, especially the the sheddings of of, uh, snake skins. Well, it is here on one account that is a bit more documented. It involves a Colonel Remington von Leard. He was a Belgian pilot who served in the Second World War. 
1959, he actually commanded the air base there at Kamita in Congo. He was returning from a mission, and from what I understand, he was actually uh, driving the helicopter or piloting it. And uh, aboard this helicopter, he was heading back to the base when he looked down and he saw what he thought was a giant snake emerging from a hole or a small cave on a mountainside. He went on record to state the snake was as large as 50 foot in length. When he saw it, he could not believe his own eyes, so he circled back around to get another look and allowed the passenger to confirm what they were seeing. And I believe at this point, the snake reared up, I think, about, like, he said his head was like, like 10 feet 10 off the feet ground. up in the air, like he was very within, aggressive. Considered himself to be within striking distance, and, and of course, when he realized he was within striking distance. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Pull up, pull up. Uh, you know, that, that scene's right out of, like, Kong Island or something. I mean, that, that's intense. The passenger was able, able to quickly grab a camera and take two or three photos of the beast as it raised its head, uh, to Bill's point, of almost 10 feet off of the ground prepared to strike when the helicopter obviously pulled up out of, out of harm's way. Now, the colonel and his passenger are both considered very credible sources. And furthermore, these photos have been examined multiple times by many specialists, and every one of them have agreed it is difficult to confirm it was a 50-foot snake due to nothing really in perspective to size comparison, but the pictures were very real and unaltered, and they did state that it represented a massive snake, whether it be 50-foot in size or, or not. Uh, it could have been larger, may have been a little smaller. Uh, based on the photos, it was close enough that they were able to derive from some of the colors, and it was an anaconda. Uh, so for those of you that watch the movies, Anaconda, which I personally loved, uh, there you go. So was it really that far-fetched? So you talk about monstrous reptiles, and, and okay, the way I do my research is I will pick the topic, and I will do a Google search for just the original uh, now, for monstrous reptiles, obviously, I didn't search monstrous reptiles. I searched for giant snake, giant turtle, lizard. And then, and then as I find certain items, I, I might refine the search. So like Megalania, I, I did just a search for Megalania. And then you might tack on different words, Megalania sightings, Megalania myth, Megalania legend, because obviously I've never seen a Megalania, so I can't give you any firsthand accounts of it. So I figured if you're going to talk about monstrous reptiles, alligators and crocodiles are definitely on that list. And, and you realize that you know, truly large alligators and crocodiles, uh, you know, Megalania was 20 feet long. Well, truly monstrous alligators are, are, are that size. And when you talk about crocodiles, you talk about the saltwater crocodile, which is just monstrous. And, uh, you know, they're competition for great whites as far as, you know, in coastal waters. These things are just huge. I think they can get up to like 25 or something. I mean, they're big. Massive. Um, so what I quickly learned was if you do a search for giant alligator, you just simply get reports of actual alligators that are very, very big. Um, one account was a 20-foot alligator that had a 6-foot alligator in his jaws crossing a Florida um, golf course, which apparently golf courses in Florida they are. They seem to attract them. Yeah, you may have seen the video. It's something like a 20-something foot alligator that's just kind of strolling across till it hits one of the water Nothing hazards. Here, and just food buffet. Now, swamp people is sort of a guilty ha a pleasure of mine. Uh, one, I, I don't need the subtitles, which kind of confuses me a little bit, because I know they subtitle the really thick Cajun accents, but I can still understand them, which I, I don't know if I'm supposed to or not. Well, I mean, you why are, do they subtitle? You are more Southern, so, you know. <laughs> but uh, you see them with, with some pretty big alligator specimens on a regular basis on, oh, on yeah. that show. Not that I'm advocating for the killing and hunting, obviously, but they do it legally, so I'm not going to. 10, 12 footers, pretty, pretty common. 12, 13, yeah. 
Uh, 18 is considered large. I think the record is less than 20 feet, but there are 20-foot specimens documented. But I was looking for stories of, like, truly, truly monstrous alligators and crocodiles, and any time you find those stories, they're almost immediately discounted. You can talk about, you know, like, oh, this guy saw a 28-foot alligator, and then it's like, well, it was forced perspective, and if you actually break the picture down, it couldn't have been more than 23, and even that's probably, you know... Because, again, I think the biggest one anyone's ever photographed is only 20. So Now, mind you, they're, they're, they're truly monstrous reptiles, um, virtually unchanged since the day of the dinosaur. And, you know, if you uh, want to hear a discomforting sound, look up the videos of the, the alligator making its rumble. Oh, yes. Even just to see it, the way the water vibrates and everything, it's, it's really creepy. And, and I don't care who you are, unless maybe you're you're an alligator hunter. If, if you're out walking in the marsh and you come across even a eight to ten foot alligator well you would consider that big as a human yeah i mean come on yeah and then when you have these you know there's 18 to to 19 foot and then let's be honest with these behemoths if there's 18 or 19 foot one there might be 20 to 23 stand to reason uh and and again with the saltwater crocodile i mean those are just monsters so you know there aren't a lot of first-hand accounts of these things but i mean they're out there there's giant reptiles out there that are truly scary and they're just that's what they, that's their normal size. They're, they're normally 20 feet long. Not that we have to worry about alligators much, but who knows, with climate change and all that, you might start finding them in Missouri well, waterways. I mean, armadillos used to not exist at all in Missouri, and when I was now a kid, they're like second nature. Yeah, when I was a kid, I'd never seen one, and now they're all over the place. So, so those who knows? come up all the way from like Texas and stuff. Well, I think it, you know, it stands to reason with a little imagination, the right environment, you know, anything can grow larger to size. Uh, just like aquarium uh, fish, you know, if you've got a small, say, five-gallon tank, you might have a three-inch fish. <laughs> go to a 20-gallon tank, it might be a six-inch fish. One of my favorite jokes, you forgive me, this might be a little blue. Uh-oh. And I'm just going to tell it the way I heard it. I can't remember who told, who told this joke. I wish I could give credit. It's a, it's a stand-up comedian. But you know, uh, a goldfish will grow to the size of its enclosure. So mm-hmm. if you have a small bowl, it stays small. If you grab a large bowl, it gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Using that very same logic. I'm wearing incredibly large underwear right now. (laughs) (laughs) All righty (laughs) then. Moving along. You know, I think it's proven that, you know, fish can grow several feet into like a lake or a river. Obviously, we talked about setting free piranhas and, you know, in the lake. Any breeder or keeper of a reptile, whether it be snake or, or any kind of reptile or even fish, I think that's a known factor. That's kind of scientifically proven. So if a python or anaconda was released to possibly have access in a warm, like, boiler room, sewer tunnels, where you would expect thousands of rats and rodents could exist for food sources, you know, what size could it really possibly reach? New York sewer gators. There you go. There you go. I mean, I grew up listening to those stories. There were movies about it when we were kids. Yes. It has happened. They've documented it, but I don't think the specimens got much larger than like seven feet or something from what I understand. Before we wrap up, one last little anecdote, semi-related, but when you were talking about like the guy having the pet and it got out and it was in the house and then killed the kids, Mm -hmm. I used to work with a young lady and I say young, I think she was a little older than me at the time, but she had a, she lived with her boyfriend at the time and we'd actually visited their house, me and my wife, we had dinner with him and he had a collection of exotic and venomous pets so spiders and snakes and and lizards you know little dart frogs and things like that 
And I remember she wanted to start a family. That was her thing. Obviously, they were together. They lived together. She wanted to have a baby. That time in the life. And they woke up one morning and one of the snake tank lids had been forced off in the night. Oh. And they had a snake out and about in the house. And I think and it might have been some sort of constrictor. But I remember her telling me that was the deal breaker because he he acted like that wasn't anything that could be concerned about. And they're like, what, 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 when we have a baby and this thing gets out of the tank, it's big enough to to eat the baby. And he's just yeah. like, oh, it won't happen. She's like, it just did. Right. It just happened. Right. <laughs> I remember in the 80s, mid 80s. Uh, you remember that? I do remember that. <laughs> I was still in school. We, we were, me and my wife were talking about the 80s just the other day. So. There was a house over by our elementary school, Maplecrest Elementary School. And I can't remember which street it was actually on, but these people had uh, sold this house. And it was just kind of one of those houses you noticed it, it came on the market a lot. They would sell it. People would move in. Just a month or so later, they'd move out. It'd be on the market again. Fast forward a little bit. And a gentleman and his wife, again, about that same age that you were talking about, just wanting to start a family, uh, moved into this small house. And he happened to be in the basement. And the wife was screaming from upstairs and said that she wanted him up here because she thought the house was haunted and she could hear movement in the walls. Apparently, five, ten years prior, there was a snake breeder. <laughs> and some of the snakes, I guess, occasionally got out and reproduced. He just didn't worry about them, whatever. Well, you know, life finds a way. Life finds a way. Well, sure enough, they, they both, you know, felt that they, they were definitely hearing something. They, they couldn't figure it out, so... Um, he, he did what nobody else apparently had done before, and he grabbed a hammer and started busting the sheetrock. And they removed 10 or 12 large snakes. Now, I don't remember the breeds. Uh, you know, they may have been black snakes. I, I don't know. But these snakes had been living in the walls of the house. One lady that then had come forward, and this made the newspaper and everything, one of the ladies that had lived there before, said that she swore one night, and this is what made them leave the house, she was lying in bed, her husband was at work, she was there by herself, and she felt something get in bed with her and crawl like under the blankets. And she had no idea what it was. She thought it was a haunting, you know, something like that. Well, you, you have the old urban legend that's like the pet python gets loose and it crawls into bed or boa or whatever, and it lays out lengthwise and somebody talks about like, well, that's weird behavior. And then there's like, no, you got to get out of the house now. It's measuring you so it knows whether it can eat you or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll let you ponder some of those things tonight in closing. We hope that you've enjoyed these monstrous reptile tales and wish you to sleep well tonight. It's just another example of what you might find here on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thanks for listening. We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, Lubden, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, vinyl records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for, again, supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. 
I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing, and thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, and I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.